Ah, that was smooth and relaxing, wasn't it? <laughs> One more hand for those guys. What a beautiful job they did today. Well, the first thing that I need to say is there is definitely a disturbance in the force this morning, as you can tell by this shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> my, uh, my nephew and niece, when they were three, we were at a fishing camp, uh, and we, were, we had just put them to bed, and so Bubs and Shay are uh, in the bed, and he's about three years old, and he's crying, and I'm like, Bubs, what's wrong? And he's like, this is gross. We had put a pajama shirt on that he didn't like. He wanted a different pajama shirt, and so this was gross, and I didn't understand it, but now I kind of do, you know what I mean? I kind of get it now, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we put him in a new shirt, and he was happy, so as soon as this, I'm done with this, I'll be happy. Uh, but Ron Sabello and I had a Fun, I had a fun little, uh, little wager that if the Cowboys won, he would wear my shirt, and if the, if the Cowboys did not, then I would wear his, and as you can imagine, there we are. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, back to what's more important. Uh, uh, today we're going to wrap up our series, which is What Matters Most, and I originally had a message for you on your work that matters most, but as I was away, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us in a different direction and uh, and so today I'm going to share with you a powerful message that I think what's going to happen is you're going to reference this message over and over again throughout your Christian life I really believe that you're going to dig in and I, and I really believe that you're going to find some 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 wonderful foundations for your faith because here's what I believe your faith what you believe matters most and, uh, and because when you know what matters most, you're going to focus on what matters most. And, and many people believe that Christians, uh, we check our brains at the door. They believe that it's just faith only, and there's no evidence for our faith. But I'm here this morning to tell you that there is overwhelming evidence for our faith. And creation itself, science reveals it. Well, science doesn't say anything. Scientists say things um philosophy all uh, spiritual life even what's happening in you your human conscience helps you to understand that what you believe matters most and so as we are unpacking this i believe it's going to be life-changing for some i think it's going to be earth-shattering for others because what i'm seeing is people are thinking that that believers we just check our brains at the door and we don't we don't have any evidence for what we believe but all the other evidence that's taught is true is not actually truth and so as we unpack this i believe we're going to unpack four questions today and all four of those questions are going to say, are, are going to be answered with a yes and because of that yes i believe that you're going to find that christianity is true and you're going to find that it's right out of the 4,200 known religions in our world, you're going to find out that Christianity is true and it has the most evidence to back it up. And so I believe you're going to see that today. And, and as we unpack this, I'm not just talking about from the Bible. Uh, the Bible is a historic document, but I'm talking about scientific and philosophical and spiritual and biblical evidence that then you can weigh for yourself and decide what matters most what do you believe so i think it's going to be critical for you and i to understand it the first question that i want to get in, i want to dig into it right away because i think it's important is is there truth is there truth and the answer is yes now 
Some people will argue there is no truth. Now, if they argue there is no truth, then the first question you and I should ask them is, is that true? Because if you just said there is no truth, and then you're making a statement telling me it's true, but you just told me it's not true, there is no truth, then therefore what you just said cannot be true. It's like telling you, my mother had children and none of them lived. I'll let that sink in for a minute. It's like telling you, my brother has no siblings. All, generali- all generalizations are false. I'll give you a real quote minute for that. See what I'm saying? So, so, so we start to understand this idea of truth. And then, and then here's my favorite one, especially for our young people. I love young people. But here's my favorite one. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. What they don't understand is truth is either truth or it's not. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is just the truth. Okay? So understanding that, now, now the scripture, Jesus actually says that he is the truth. Uh, in, in, in John chapter uh, 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. Now, some people are saying, well, I, we figured you'd say that. It's church. That's a religious proof. And I said, well, that, that's great. But we're not going to stop there because we're going to unpack this idea of truth. And the first thing I want you to consider is yourself. You see, because each one of us has a conscience. There is some moral being that establishes in us what's right and wrong. In other words, no one has to tell you murdering babies is wrong. Right? No one has to tell you that. No one has to tell you that what Hitler did by killing six million people was wrong. Now, if there is no moral absolute and if there is no moral lawgiver, then it's just opinion and what Hitler did isn't wrong and killing babies isn't wrong. Because it's just your opinion, because there's no moral foundation. However, your human conscience, our human conscience, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, reveals to you that there is right and wrong in this world. But my friends, you can have sunlight, but you cannot have shadows without sunlight. Sunlight provides the shadow. It's the same way with good and evil. Evil is the privation of good. You would not know evil if you did not have good. And God is good. So there's a moral foundation, and I'm, I'm, I'm issuing you that first challenge. And, and Romans even says it, they back it up, and it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Everybody say plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, everybody say clearly perceived, ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So listen to this, this is what we should underline for ourselves, so they are without excuse. In other words, creation, you being a created being, Knowing the difference between right and wrong gives you no excuse. 
Okay, now look at this. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the truth, exchanged the glory of God, the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and animals and birds and creeping things. So the first thing that we see is that Paul is explaining to us that our human conscience reveals that there is a God. So, 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 and it also reveals that there is truth because without that, you wouldn't know what was right and wrong. Now, science tells us, well, correction, scientists reveal to us as well that there is truth. The very laws of science are dependent upon truth. Without no truth, there can be no science. Right? So without truth, scientific study is impossible and nothing can be proven or discovered because there is no truth. So when you understand that, you start to understand that science reveals the truth about God. It reveals exactly how God feels. So we have conscience, we have science. It says, for all have sinned without the law will perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when, just, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature, everybody say by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. For they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and, a conflict, and their conflicting thoughts accuse them, or even uh, accuse them, or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Again, now we're applying a scientist, so at, you're all scientists, and we're applying science to this and revealing that there is a truth, and your conscience itself reveals that, you being the test subject. So we start to understand that a little bit more. And then there's a third feature. The third thing that proves there's truth, somebody, uh, uh, I need somebody to push 003 on that right there. Just push 003. And there's a third feature on there that says that religion reveals there's truth. Now, now let me explain this to you. 4,200 religions in the world. And all of them are calling on something greater than themselves. Do you know why? Because God put it in us that there's someone greater than ourselves. So don't you find it unusual that it doesn't matter what remote place you go to, they are not atheists, but they worship something. Why? Because they know inside their heart that there is a creator because of creation. So even, even people that you would consider uh, uh, heathen or way out there, they have a religion, and again, that only proves a point, and it proves a point that we know that God exists. We just don't know his name yet. So, so we know that truth exists because if we didn't, we wouldn't be pursuing it. So the third thing, uh, the, 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 so you have science, conscience, science, and religion, and then we get to this question of does God exist? And the answer is yes. Now you can say, Pastor Mike, that's really great. I'm glad you believe that. But I am here to tell you that science 
and scientists, both atheists and Christian, all agree that there is that space, time, and matter all had a beginning. And if space, time, and matter all had a beginning, then something spaceless, timeless, and immaterial, personal because they had to make a decision, powerful because they're able to create, and intelligent because of the way this world exists, including your human body, has to be the one that did it. Whether you believe in the theistic God or not, or whether you believe in the God of the Bible, you have to believe in a being because all of those things were created out of nothing. And science has also proven that space, time, and matter all began at the same time. Now, when you think about that, you start to put all these things together, you start to understand that there is a God. And, and, and Genesis has been saying this for years. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now that can be scientifically proven. So much for evolution. But we treat... We treat we, we teach the evolution theory as truth, don't we? But it's not when you match it to science. Think about this for a second. There is an intelligent, powerful, personal, spaceless, timeless, immaterial being that is not just creating but sustaining the world. Everybody count with me for five seconds. Ready? One two three four five do you know what just happened every single one of us just created four million blood cells in our own body we're going to do it again ready one two three four five you just did it again would you please stop making red blood cells tell your body to stop you can't. Do you know why? Because God is sustaining that. When you were formed together, what happened is your cells began to multiply. And as your cells began to multiply, some of them began to multiply at the rate of about 4,000 and they began to do heart and lungs. Some of us, are, they, they began to multiply at 100,000 they formed our brain. Some of us. But think about this. God has been sustaining that from the beginning. If, if this earth, if this earth was just shifted slightly one way or another, we could not exist. We would not exist. Everything is held together by God. And science proves it. But you can't have science without philosophy. You can't even have religion without philosophy. Because it requires philosophy for us to interpret. So when you look at this, you, you start to see this, and then some people are saying, that's really great, but, but where's the other evidence? Well, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not a thing made that has been made. First Timothy says, now to the eternal, immortal Invisible King, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. And some of the people are already saying, that's great, Pastor Mike, but that is all based on what? The Scripture. But I'm here to say there's 
There's more than that. There's more than that. Because science, and even scientists will admit, that time, space, and matter all began at the same time. They call it the Big Bang. I'm not arguing with that. I just know who made the Big Bang happen. I'm not arguing with the Big Bang. I have no problem with that. No, no problem at all. I'm just telling you, I know the guy that banged it. Now the problem is this, is that some of us have been worshiping the universe he created instead of the one who created the universe. That's the problem. So those of you worshiping the universe, I'm here to tell you, you should probably worship the guy who created the universe not the universe itself because, again, who is greater, the one who created or the creator? And Romans tells us some of us exchange the truth of God for a lie because we don't like what is taught, right? So we start to understand this a little bit more. We start to understand that they have time. We start to understand that there's space. We start to understand some of these things. And as we start to unpack these things, we start to realize that God is at work god is at work now as you think about science you think about a, a surge the, the the surge law which is the second law of thermodynamics which means we're all wearing out now i don't know about you i went to the doctor before i went away and they looked at my knee and the doctor came in and said hey bro your knee's trashed i was like is that a medical term you know <laughs> something that i already knew because I have worn it out kicking and, and uh, in martial arts. So I knew that it was already worn out. Now, again, that just proves... Now, some people, scientists won't even argue that the, earth is, uh, that the sun is going to burn out. That means it's not eternal. Therefore, it had a beginning. Therefore, it is running out. It will have an end. And so, so that's the second law of thermodynamics. Then you get to, then you get to the, the universe is expanding. You know the Hubble telescope? If you look through the Hubble telescope, they can see the, the universe is expanding by moving away instead of collapsing into itself, which means the universe had a beginning, which means there was a first cause, an unmoved mover. That's science. Then the radiation afterglow, which Van actually knows a couple of the guys who, create, who found this by accident in the 60s. Incredible people who found that the radiation afterglow, it's a cosmic background radiation showing that the universe is not in a steady state, but instead it is, it is being sustained. And on top of that, it reveals the great galaxy seeds because the ripple in the radiation temperature... One scientist who was not a believer said, it is the fingerprints of God. Amen. They actually wrote it. You can look up the articles. They say it's like looking into the face of God. It's like you can see the gears of creation. You can see God's toolbox. George Smoot said that, said that there's enough evidence now to, for the Christians to hang their hats on that Something was created out of nothing, which God has been saying from the very beginning. God created ex nihilo out of nothing. That's pretty powerful. 
So when you think about all those things, you put all those things together, and then finally, Einstein's theory of relativity states that time, space, and matter are interdependent. And so when we look at all those things, even Stephen Hawking before he died, who was one of the leading atheists in the world, even before he died, agreed that space, time, and matter all had a beginning. And he said it would not be wise for us to argue that it didn't have a beginning. So that means, therefore, science, something spaceless, timeless, immaterial, personal because only persons make choices, powerful because you can create out of nothing, and intelligent because the earth is, and all of us are created in such a way that if one thing's off kilter, we don't exist. Pretty amazing. So that brings me to my third question. Are miracles possible? Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. There's no question. The answer is yes. And some people right away, they say, I've never seen a miracle. Well, I understand that. I understand that because if we all saw miracles all the time, they wouldn't be miracles. They'd be natural events. If people went around getting resurrected all the time, it wouldn't be. We say, hey, did you know Jesus was resurrected? They say, yeah, Uncle George was too last week. <laughs> nah, you know what I mean? It's, it kind of takes away from things, you know? So miracles, are they possible? Well, I'm going to submit scientific evidence again, and I'm going to submit the evidence that I've already submitted to you. Don't you think that something created out of nothing is a miracle? In the beginning, God created ex nihilo out of nothing. That's the greatest miracle recorded in the Bible. Even greater than, even greater than the resurrection, it's because without that, the resurrection doesn't even happen. That's the great, and here's the cool thing. Listen to me, listen to me, because here's the best part. It means we didn't check our brains at the door, and it also means this. It also means that if, if Genesis 1-1 were true, is true, and there's scientific, philosophical evidence that it is true, then all other miracles are also true. Because we know a miracle worker. Listen, if you can create something out of nothing, you can make a man survive in a fish for three days. If you can, if you can, if you can create out of nothing, you can make an axe head float. If you can create something out of nothing, then, then you can part the Red Sea. If you can create something out of nothing, then you can resurrect Jesus from the dead. So, so understanding that, these are all true answers. These are all answers with biblical and scientific and philosophical proof. Isn't that amazing? So we didn't check our brains at the door, Christians. Psalm 77, 14 says, You are the God who performs miracle. You display your power among the people. Do you know what the purpose of miracles are? They are to communicate a message and to reveal truth. That's the purpose of miracles. John 21, 25 said this. Listen to this. Jesus did many miracles, uh, did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Here's the other cool thing. History, science, philosophy all agree that Jesus was a miracle worker. You're not just the Christian documents. 
You can read Judea, Ju, Ju, uh, documents from Judaism and from, and, from Roman, uh, and from Roman authors that agree that Jesus was a miracle worker. It is a historical fact. Things are changing, isn't it? All of a sudden, we're starting to realize the thing that I know that young people are most afraid of is being duped. They don't want to be duped. They don't want mommy's religion or daddy's religion. They want their own. They want real belief. They want real truth. And we're able to do that. Mommy's religion is solid. Daddy's religion is solid. Mommy's relationship with God, daddy's relationship with God is not based on just mere feelings. Because listen, sometimes I don't feel God. I said, sometimes I don't feel God. Have you ever, have you ever been on a day where there was no wind and it was hot and all you wanted was a breeze, but you didn't get no breeze and then the breeze picks up, it'll change your life, won't it? It'll change your life. Same principle applies. So now we get to the biggie. Now we get to the biggie because now we already know that there is a first cause. We know that there is someone who is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, personal, powerful, and intelligent that we would call God, the theistic God. Now we need to know, does he have a name? Number four, is the New Testament reliable enough to show us that Jesus rose from the dead? Because if the New Testament is reliable enough to prove that beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, then everything that Jesus said about himself and God is true. And Jesus confirmed that everything in the Old Testament is true. So if there's enough evidence for the New Testament and the resurrection of Jesus beyond reasonable doubt... Then, Christ, then Jesus is everything he said he is. And the first cause, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Genesis 1, and God created. And in Genesis, it also says, let us create man in our own image. Powerful. So let's look. The first thing you've got to think about is... is in Jewish culture, every one of the authors of, uh, of the Gospels, aside from Luke, were Jews, were Jewish. And they knew that writing anything against God would be blasphemy and would curse them to hell forever. Separation from God forever. Why would men write that down? They didn't gain money, they didn't gain sex, and they didn't gain power from it. And, and, and then there's some more evidence, and, and they start with ease. The first thing that you would think about is early testimony. Now, some of us put our hope in Buddha. Did you know that the first writings of Buddha weren't written until 400 years after he died? Some of us put our hope in, uh, in Mohammed. And, 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 and did you know that they weren't, the, those writings weren't written until a couple hundred years after he died? And hundreds of years after the New Testament... Which, by the way, in the Quran, they say, Oh, you people of the book, oh, you people of the Gospels, you should believe. That's what the Quran says. You should check it out. Did my pastor just tell me to check it out? Yeah, because my God compares to all gods. Search every religion you want. 
Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's always been about Jesus, it's always going to be about Jesus. When I was a, when, yes, when I was a youth, youth pastor, I taught my, my kids, I, they went home and they said, Pastor Mike's going to teach a Sunday school class on all religions. And I got letters and, and they were ready to pitchfork and torch me right out of the joint, man. And I was like, I, when we sat in the meeting and I was like, what are you afraid of? Like, afraid of what? I said, are you afraid that Jesus won't stand up to these other religions? Are you really honestly afraid? When these kids get to college, everything that we taught them is going to be challenged. They should at least know what these other religions say so you can put your heart. Here's what I know about my God. If you leave my God to go alone with their gods, their gods don't make it. And if you need, if you need biblical evidence... When they left the Ark of the Covenant with the statue of Dagon, the next morning they came, Dagon was missing his head and his hands. Why? Because my God doesn't play well with other gods. So, so you have early testimony. The first gospel was written within 25 years of Jesus. Within 25 years, there were still eyewitnesses alive. The next thing is eyewitnesses. There were eyewitnesses. This is what the scripture says. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of the Lord Jesus in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's Peter. Do you know how Peter died? He was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the manner my Lord was crucified. Now, if someone was going to crucify me and I was holding on to a lie, you know what I'd say? I was lying. I'll say whatever you want. I'll sign whatever paper you want. Let me go. But he knew that Jesus was everything he said he was. John, 1 John uh, 1, he says, Now that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Did you know that John was boiled in oil? He was the only one who wasn't killed. He was boiled in oil. He survived. Miracle, by the way. And then he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. The only, do you know all the other, all the others were martyred, run through with the sword. All of them had a chance to recant and none of them recanted. Wouldn't you recant of a lie to save your life? I don't know who wouldn't. Then, then we come to the fun one, the embarrassing testimony. Most of us are not going to, 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 to write things that make us look bad. Most of us are going to write things that make us look really great. But think about this. Now, now here's the argument. Most people say that the Bible was written by men, right? And, and that uh, it's man-centric and all those things, right? And, and, and they're absolutely right. I wouldn't argue with that. Then why do they make women heroes? Think about it. The first people at the tomb of Jesus are women. And the men wrote, when they came to arrest Jesus, we ran away. Some of us ran away naked. We were the first streakers. Right? We ran away and we were cowering and we were behind locked doors and we were cowering hoping they wouldn't find us while the women were out there tending to the body of Jesus or looking to tend to the body of Jesus. Would you write that? I wouldn't. You know what my testimony would be? I'd be like, well, what happened is they came, right, to get Jesus and me and my boys, we threw down. 
I mean, we were swinging. He did like round kick. And then I was like, what? You ain't getting Jesus, right? And then somehow they overpowered us and then they got Jesus. But even while he was on the cross, we were fighting to get to him. Then after it was over and, 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 and he was in the ground, man, we stood guard over the tomb. And then them elite soldiers, we threw down. They, they thought they were elite, but they didn't know nothing about us. I had one of them in a figure four. He was tapping out. Then Jesus burst out of the tomb. And when he burst out of the tomb, he was like, what's up, guys? You guys are awesome. I knew you had faith. And then we went and found those ladies. They were hiding and they were all scared. We were like, be not afraid, girl. Jesus and your boys are here. Right? Isn't that what we would write? We would not write that we were cowering, running away, hiding, while the women had to come find us hiding. That's embarrassing testimony by a book written by men. Science? I don't know. Philosophy? Oh, yeah. Common sense? Come on. <laughs> then you have excruciating. Who's going to write a book about a God who's murdered? Who would write a book about a God that's not powerful enough to fight off the Romans? Who would write a story about a God who was stripped naked, beaten, whipped, nailed to a tree? Nobody. You're going to make your God more powerful than any other God. You're going to make your God with no possible, no possible flaws. And then we have expected testimony, which was the prophecies that promised that Jesus was coming. The Old Testament pro promised that Jesus was coming and he came. And guess what? You and I are still waiting on an expected prophecy because the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back. And we're still hanging on to a expected prophecy. And if all these other things have been proven, why would we not believe that same truth? And finally, extra biblical commentary. Jewish writers, Roman writers, and other writers in history don't deny that Jesus existed, that He was a miracle worker, that He was crucified, and all of their timing corroborates with what the Scriptures say about who was in power, who was a king, who was prefect, all those different things. So when you come to that, we start to understand that... that now, now, here's what I want you to understand more than anything. The New Testament isn't here, isn't, isn't here because of the resurrection. The resurrection is what caused this. You see, some of us say, this is what proves the resurrection happened. I'm here to tell you that without the resurrection, there is no New Testament because there's nothing to write about. Why would you write about a dead God buried in a tomb? Why would you write about a resurrected Jesus if he wasn't resurrected? Why? There's no reason for it. There's a New Testament because there was a resurrection, and there's a resurrection because the resurrection isn't just an event, it's a person. His name is Jesus. The same way, the reason that there is truth because Jesus is the truth. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And then, his, and then history. Luke was a doctor and a historian, and this is what he writes. 
Many have undertaken to draw up account of of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. Now, when you consider all of this overwhelming evidence, you look at all the evidence, everything that's here for us, we start to understand that we're only left with one thing. What matters most to you? What do you believe? What do you believe? Here's what we know. Science says there is an unmoved mover. There is someone, there's a being outside of time, outside of space, outside of matter, powerful, personal, intelligent. It says, and it proves it. Jesus is proven as the resurrected Savior, and he said, I am. Genesis 1 and John 1 are no coincidence. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Genesis says, let us make man in our own image. So when we come to that conclusion, everything that Jesus said is true. And therefore, when he says that, he is the unmoved mover. Therefore, he is the only God. Because nothing existed outside of him, before him. So now, now that you know that, the question is, what do you do with that? You see, you can believe in and receive the good news about Jesus based on the evidence that's been preceded and based upon what God's been saying from the beginning. Creation itself cries out. You cannot tell me that a lion, uh, I mean, a tiger developed its stripes to hide because it needed to hide. You can't tell me that a stingray that looks exactly like its environment did that and created itself because for, for self-survival. If that's true, then you should have gills and wings. All of these creation itself, and then some people talk about dinosaurs, and I say, well, the Bible doesn't mention a duck-billed platypus, but it doesn't mean it didn't exist. So we come to that. Now, your rejection of the truth can be based on opinion. It can be based on feelings. It can be based on false hopes. But here's the best part. You get to decide for yourself. You get to decide for yourself. Let me ask you a question, men and women. Have you ever liked somebody that didn't like you? You know the little note you would write, check yes, check no. You ever do that? Do you like me? Check yes, check no. Some people are like, uh-uh, they were always writing that to me, right? <laughs> Have you ever had that? Do you like me? Check yes or no? No. <laughs> you want to have lunch with me? No. You want to play ball? No. <laughs> you want to see my face? No. Do you know I exist? No. <laughs> do you care? No. And, and eventually what happens is, is the person, the person that keeps getting those, they get annoyed, right? I wish this person would do what? Leave me alone. Leave me alone, right? I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to spend time with them. I want to be left alone, right? Now, if that person who kept doing all those things captured you, kidnapped you and took you to a place you didn't want to go, declared you his husband or, 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 or she declared you 
uh, she declared you her husband or, or, or he declared you his wife and said, you're going to love me forever in this place. Do you love them? Is that right? No, it's not right. So, so let me ask you this. Let's apply that to God. God sends you his revelation. Do you love me? Check yes or no. Right? God sends the prophets. Do you love me? Check yes or no. God sends his son. Do you love me? Check yes or no. God sends his son to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. Do you love me? Check yes or no. God resurrects his son from the dead and says that I want to spend eternity with you, but I'm not going to lock you in heaven with me if you don't want to be with me. Check yes or no. So hell is there, which is total separation from God and the total absence of God, it makes perfect sense that God would honor you and love you enough to let you make your own decision. And even though it hurts him, he would rather leave you alone because he loves you that much to give you a choice. What kind of God would he be to capture you and take you to a place that you don't want to be and make you declare your love for him, which is not true love anyway. It doesn't make sense, does it? So why would God do that? So heaven and hell, they're our choice. You get to decide. Here's what John 3, 16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now listen to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Here's verse 18. Whoever believes in me is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. These are our choices. Now for those of us who are struggling with our faith and think we had to check our brain at the door, I hope today that you will see that there is scientific evidence, there's philosophical evidence, physical evidence, spiritual evidence of God's existence, of who God is. Now, what matters most is what do you do with this information? What do you do? Do you accept it? Do you understand how this matters most? Because what you believe is going to determine the way you live the rest of your life. I hope you'll carefully weigh and pray and consider the truth. And I hope you'll do the research for yourself. This message is awesome because it lets you do the research. There's a great book by Frank Turk. The book is called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. There's another book by Frank Turk. It says, Stealing from God. There are two great books that you can get. A lot of the lecture that Frank shared is a lot of the truth that I shared with you today. And it only gives us a deeper foundation. Listen, you will never get rid of every one of your objections. But you can shrink them. God can shrink them.
But please don't check your brain at the door. You don't have to. You can have your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. Because that's what God says, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. God has never asked you to not look at creation and find truth. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we've shared the message that I believe could be life-changing and earth-shattering for many. And I ask today, God, that you would just speak to our hearts just clearly. God, I pray for those who are still uncertain that they would do the research. But more importantly, just simply say a prayer. Say, God, if you're real, show me. Reveal to me. And there may be some in this room today that prayed that prayer and said, God, if you're real, show me. God, if you're real, reveal it to me. And then they showed up here and you have revealed your truth to them. And you have shown them who you are. I pray today they'll take you up on your offer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike? I believe the evidence. I believe the evidence is overwhelming and I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to put my hope and my trust and my faith in Him and in Him alone. And I know I'm not going to be perfect, but Jesus was perfect because I couldn't be. But I am being perfected. And I need this God in my life. I need the Creator. I'm done worshiping creation. I want to worship the Creator. I want to know my Creator. If that's you today, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Anybody in the house that says, I want to know my Creator? Yes. Yes, thank you. I see those hands. Yes, I want to know. That's me. Yes, that's me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You guys may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this simple prayer from your heart to God's. We're just simply going to say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I trust you. And I don't have all the answers, but you do. And so I choose to put my faith in you. I know I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I know I'm going to need it today and tomorrow again. But I'll keep my relationship strong with you. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Open my eyes to the scriptures. Open my eyes to science. Open my eyes to philosophy. Let me see truth. And I'll give you all the praise all the days of my life. It's in Christ's name that I pray. And the church said, Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap today because he's an amazing God? Man, I hope this message encouraged you guys. I hope that it just blessed you. Remember, it'll be, it's 